Chapter Two of Indian Boyhood by Charles Eastman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Early Hardships. One of the earliest recollections of my adventurous childhood is the ride I had on a pony's side. I was passive in the whole matter. A little girl cousin of mine was put in a bag and suspended from the horn of an Indian saddle but her weight must be balanced or the saddle would not remain on the animal's back accordingly i was put into another sack and made to keep the saddle and the girl in position i did not object at all for i had a very pleasant game of peekaboo with the little girl until we came to a big snowdrift where the poor beast was stuck fast and began to lie down then it was not so nice this was the convenient and primitive way in which some mothers packed their children for winter journeys however cold the weather might be the inmate of the fur-lined sack was usually very comfortable at least i used to think so i believe i was accustomed to all the precarious indian conveyances and as a boy i enjoyed the dog travo ride as much as any the travaux consisted of a set of rawhide strips securely lashed to the tent-poles which were harnessed to the sides of the animal as if he stood between shafts while the free ends were allowed to drag on the ground both ponies and large dogs were used as beasts of burden and they carried in this way the smaller children as well as the baggage this mode of travelling for children was possible only in the summer and as the dogs were sometimes unreliable the little ones were exposed to a certain amount of danger for instance whenever a train of dogs had been travelling for a long time almost perishing with the heat and their heavy loads a glimpse of water would cause them to forget all their responsibilities some of them in spite of the screams of the women would swim with their burdens into the cooling stream and i was thus on more than one occasion made to partake of an unwilling bath i was a little over four years old at the time of the sioux massacre in minnesota in the general turmoil we took flight into british columbia and the journey is still vividly remembered by all our family a yoke of oxen and a lumber wagon were taken from some white farmer and brought home for our conveyance how delighted i was when i learned that we were to ride behind those wise-looking animals and in that gorgeously painted wagon it seemed almost like a living creature to me this new vehicle with four legs and the more so when we got out of axle grease and the wheels went along squealing like pigs the boys found a great deal of innocent fun in jumping from the high wagon while the oxen were leisurely moving along my elder brothers soon became experts at last i mustered up courage enough to join them in this sport i was sure they stepped on the wheel so i carefully placed my moccasined foot upon it alas before i could realize what had happened i was under the wheels and had it not been for the neighbor immediately behind us i might have been run over by the next team as well this was my first experience with a civilized vehicle i cried out all possible reproaches on the white man's team and concluded that a dog travaux was good enough for me i was really rejoiced that we were moving away from the people who made the wagon that had almost ended my life and it did not occur to me that i alone was to blame 
i could not be persuaded to ride in that wagon again and was glad when we finally left it beside the missouri river the summer after the minnesota massacre general sibley pursued our people across this river now the missouri is considered one of the most treacherous rivers in the world even a good modern boat is not safe upon its uncertain current we were forced to cross in buffalo-skin boats as round as tubs the washichu white men were coming in great numbers with their big guns and while most of our men were fighting them to gain time the women and the old men made and equipped the temporary boats braced with ribs of willow some of these were towed by two or three women or men swimming in the water and some by ponies it was not an easy matter to keep them right side up with their helpless freight of little children and such goods as we possessed in our flight we little folks were strapped in the saddles or held in front of an older person and in the long night marches to get away from the soldiers we suffered from loss of sleep and insufficient food our meals were eaten hastily and sometimes in the saddle water was not always to be found the people carried it with them in bags formed of tripe or the dried pericardium of animals now we were compelled to trespass upon the country of hostile tribes and were harassed by them almost daily and nightly only the strictest vigilance saved us one day we met with another enemy near the british lines it was a prairie fire we were surrounded another fire was quickly made which saved our lives one of the most thrilling experiences of the following winter was a blizzard which overtook us in our wanderings here and there a family lay down in the snow selecting a place where it was not likely to drift much for a day and a night we lay under the snow uncle stuck a long pole beside us to tell us when the storm was over we had plenty of buffalo robes and the snow kept us warm but we found it heavy after a time it became packed and hollowed out around our bodies so that we were as comfortable as one can be under those circumstances the next day the storm ceased and we discovered a large herd of buffaloes almost upon us we dug our way out shot some of the buffaloes made a fire and enjoyed a good dinner i was now an exile as well as motherless yet i was not unhappy our wanderings from place to place afforded us many pleasant experiences and quite as many hardships and misfortunes there were times of plenty and times of scarcity and we had several narrow escapes from death in savage life the early spring is the most trying time and almost all the famines occurred at this period of the year the indians are a patient and a clannish people their love for one another is stronger than that of any civilized people i know if this were not so i believe there would have been tribes of cannibals among them white people have been known to kill and eat their companions in preference to starving but indians never in times of famine the adults often denied themselves in order to make the food last as long as possible for the children who were not able to bear hunger as well as the old 
as a people they can live without food much longer than any other nation i once passed through one of these hard springs when we had nothing to eat for several days i well remember the six small birds which constituted the breakfast for six families one morning and then we had no dinner or supper to follow what a relief that was to me although i had only a small wing of a small bird for my share soon after this we came into a region where buffaloes were plenty and hunger and scarcity were forgotten such was the indian's wild life when game was to be had and the sun shone they easily forgot the bitter experiences of the winter before little preparation was made for the future they are children of nature and occasionally she whips them with the lashes of experience yet they are forgetful and careless much of their suffering might have been prevented by a little calculation during the summer when nature is at her best and provides abundantly for the savage it seems to me that no life is happier than his food is free lodging free everything free all were alike rich in the summer and again all were alike poor in the winter and early spring however their diseases were fewer and not so destructive as now and the indian's health was generally good the indian boy enjoyed such a life as almost all boys dream of and would choose for themselves if they were permitted to do so the raids made upon our people by other tribes were frequent and we had to be constantly on the watch i remember at one time a night attack was made upon our camp and all our ponies stampeded only a few of them were recovered and our journeys after this misfortune were effected mostly by means of the dog travaux the second winter after the massacre my father and my two older brothers with several others were betrayed by a half-breed at winnipeg to the united states authorities as i was then living with my uncle in another part of the country i became separated from them for ten years during all this time we believed that they had been killed by the whites and i was taught that i must avenge their deaths as soon as i was able to go upon the war-path i must say a word in regard to the character of this uncle my father's brother who was my adviser and teacher for many years he was a man about six foot two inches in height very erect and broad-shouldered he was known at that time as one of the best hunters and bravest warriors among the sioux in british america where he still lives for to this day we have failed to persuade him to return to the united states he is a typical indian not handsome but truthful and brave he had a few simple principles from which he hardly ever departed some of these i shall describe when i speak of my early training it is wonderful that any children grew up through all the exposures and hardships that we suffered in those days the frail teepee pitched anywhere in the winter as well as in the summer was all the protection that we had against cold and storms i can recall times when we were snowed in and it was very difficult to get fuel we were once three days without much fire and all of this time it stormed violently there seemed to be no special anxiety on the part of our people they rather looked upon all this as a matter of course knowing that the storm would cease 
when the time came i could once endure as much cold and hunger as any of them but now if i miss one meal or accidentally wet my feet i feel it as much as if i had never lived in the manner i have described when it was a matter of course to get myself soaking wet many a time even if there was plenty to eat it was thought better for us to practise fasting sometimes and hard exercise was kept up continually both for the sake of health and to prepare the body for the extraordinary exertions that it might at any moment be required to undergo in my own remembrance my uncle used often to bring home a deer on his shoulder the distance was sometimes considerable yet he did not consider it any sort of a feat the usual custom with us was to eat only two meals a day and these were served at each end of the day this rule was not invariable however for if there should be any callers it was indian etiquette to offer either tobacco or food or both the rule of two meals a day was more closely observed by the men especially the younger men than by the women and children this was when the indians recognized that a true manhood one of physical activity and endurance depends upon dieting and regular exercise no such system is practised by the reservation indians of to-day chapter two